the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, you can go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship and you can get all the details. And if you got something cool working with V6, you know, this is the V6 Buzz. We'd love to hear about it. <laughs> so hit us up. Um, I'm Ed Horley with my co-host Tom Coffin and Scott Hogue. And today we're going to be talking um, about IPv6 and micro-segmentation and uh, maybe some techniques that you can think about in terms of doing that. So, I don't know. Let's jump into it, you guys. <laughs> what, do, what do we think uh, around V6 and uh, maybe uh, maybe the opportunity to segment per user or per application or per something else, per container, <laughs> maybe? There, I think there's a couple of techniques we, that folks could do around that, and then maybe we talk a little bit about how IPv6 would make that different than how we would approach it in IPv4. Um that sound like a yeah. good strategy? Yeah, de- yeah, definitely. And I and I guess just to make sure that everyone's on the same page, uh, you mentioned a couple of examples of of micro segmentation. Uh, but you know, does everybody is everybody sort of thinking the same thing when they hear the word micro segmentation? Um, and and what is the sort of definition of that at a high level, just to make sure that you know the folks that are listening know that that's what we're talking about when we talk about IPv6 micro segmentation. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I guess when I hear that, I typically talk about being able to do like a per unit separation on the network of some type. At least that's how I that's how I think about it. So whether that's a host, whether that's an end user, whether that's a specific application in some cases, or it might be especially with things like containers, just separating the containers out amongst themselves. And so you're giving them a unique sort of network access to the your or, or unique access to the network via sort of segmentation around the the network related component. I don't know, that's my fast and yeah, furious and so definition. It, yeah, and we're sort of really just talking about moving away from having, you know, having a, essentially a flat network and having everything Yeah, like a shared a shared layer 2 yeah. that's common is is yeah. it's it's building some isolation in there. I don't know, Scott, if you feel the same or if it's I normally in IPv4 land, we're usually doing what like a slash 32 that we're assigning out to a device and then only talk, only allowing it to talk to basically the default gateway and that's it. And it's the only thing that's there, right? Well, no, normally in IPv4, you have like one gigantic VLAN with a slash 24 and <laughs> yeah. you yeah, slam true, all kinds true. of servers in there that are unrelated to each other. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If anyone gets hacked, then there's the ability Every, then for an attacker, hacked, right? Yeah, to pivot east-west across right. that network, and it's a that's a macro segment. <laughs> Lots of applications of various levels of trust, all you know, on the same logical segment, with the ability to communicate directly with each you know with each other, without any security control in the middle. And so the idea is, well, we can break that up. You know, we can put servers into their own smaller segments, you know, put certain like, you know, applications or like security applications or application components that are all part of the same big application architecture into a smaller segment. Yeah. Um, and or, or a like segment, right? Like they're, they're common services. So you, you're going to put them in a common network segment together. So even if they get exploited, it's only really the same, same thing potentially. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can do this with IPv4 using individual slash 32s, host-based routes for individual things. And if a server moves or migrates, then now it's slash 32 is advertised, you know, from a new location and routing tables converge and, 
you have some mobility there or something like that, or you have filters to say only these slash 32s can communicate with these applications or systems. It could be in micro segmentation, as you mentioned, Ed and Tom, it could be done on in the server in the data center, or it could be done at the access layer at the end user segment, putting all our marketing people together, all our engineers together, all our network admins together. You know. Yeah, because you won't you don't want the chaos of the engineers and the marketers together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the salespeople. <laughs> Just think of it, the horror. <laughs> but I mean, I it's it's a good point that today and today in common practice for for V4, and I think you're entirely right about this, is is you know, we do crazy things on like wireless networks with like slash twenties or slash twenty-twos or like, you know, super large network address ranges that we just assign out. Now, the difference is there's some other mitigation methods in wireless to allow you to sort of maybe, you know, talk only to that particular client. There's other ways, there, there's other methods than, than purely just, the, you know, the common network segment that you're on to provide a little bit of isolation. But, um, but yeah, as a general rule of thumb, we just sort of build larger networks and throw all the quote unquote servers in them together, right? Throw all the client related devices in there together and just hope that, you know, you don't get you don't get hacked and someone can, you know, laterally shift <laughs> and yeah. cause havoc for you. Yeah. With IPv4, you thought, well, I need more than 250 nodes. So I'll use a slash 22 IPv4 right. subnet, but then you end up with broadcast storms and things like that. Um, you can chop it up really small into, you know, slash 32s as well with IPv4, but I think one of the nice things about IPv6 is you could just use a slash 64 for everything yep. and you don't, it removes any consideration of how many things are in that container <laughs> in that network. Yeah. One yeah. Or- so every micro, every micro segment ends up with its own slash 64 essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a critical point because I think I, there's still a lot of folks that, that we sort of run into that, that are naturally sort of just thinking about the 64 as the shared subnet. And, uh, you know, and, and that, you know, even though there's a, there's an interface identifier, you know, like restriction in terms of that, those 64 bits are reserved for the interface identifier. There's still a sort of, you know, I don't know if it's like a, maybe not a full on case of IPv4 thinking, but a little bit of IPv4 thinking creeping in and that, you know, I've got a 64 and I'm going to share that. But in this case, we're really talking about using individual 64s, just we've got a bottomless supply of uh, slash 64 is if I have a, you know, slash 48 per site and I peel off that first nibble of a slash 52 well, within that slash 52, I've got 4,096 slash 64. So that's a heck of a lot of micro segmentation for whatever the, uh, the application is. Right. And I, I think it's important for folks to realize it doesn't matter if you're using one address out of the 64 or 10 million out of, out of the 64, that's pretty much close to the same number. <laughs> that's right. In terms of size and scale, it's like, the difference between one and and ten million in in a sixty four allocation is is effectively you know you're you're so many zeros out that it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, you're never going to come close to using uh, the total number of addresses in the sixty four. So don't feel like it's wasteful that you're only using a single or even two addresses out of out of a sixty four right. in order to make them functionally useful for you. Uh, even if you you know think well, I could run ten million for this wireless network if you wanted to for any given reason. Uh, just doesn't matter. It's the same math, which is yeah. a weird concept. <laughs> yeah, and you don't need to worry about a, a DHCP 
pool exhaustion condition. Oh, yeah. That's, that's why point. you would go with the slash 22 and IPv4 because you're like, ah, I could have a lot of guests on yeah. this network. So I need to make the network bigger. Um, but with IPv6, you'd, you'd never run out. Yeah, you don't have that problem. You also don't have to necessarily run DHCP, I guess, explicitly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can you can leverage Slack at that point. I, and and well, I guess from a security posture standpoint, you could just have, if you have a supplicant and you're doing some sort of 802.1x, you could apply very specific addresses based off the security policy of what you have set up and just provide that 64 for that host explicitly, which, mm -hmm. you know, that, that gets in a whole different you know, layer of, of security on top of just doing the pure, you know, segmentation of a, of a particular host or device, right? Yeah, yeah. What Ed is alluding to is this RFC called numbered 8273 called unique IPv6 prefix per host where an entire node, you know, a server or a mobile phone or anything gets allocated a slash 64 for its use yeah. inside of itself. Imagine doing prefix delegation, DHCPv6 prefix delegation, like you might do for a CPE device at a subscriber's home service to give them a global address to use inside the home. Think of the same technique, but giving a slash 64 to a node to use inside of itself yeah. for containerized workloads or all kinds of things. You know, you're, you're, you're only limited by your imagination about what you could do with something like that. And not to be not to be that's right, and not to be pedantic about it, but again, uh, you know, the, the title of the RFC is saying prefix, but what we're you know and dig into it, it's a it's a slash sixty four that we're talking about. It's not it's not a prefix in that you know we've got a slash sixty four, and then again we're going to carve it up because we we're worried about you know using too much address space. It, it's a slash sixty four. That's you set it aside an entire slash sixty four for that host for those purposes, and you know get comfortable with that idea. Um, just to pivot a little bit, I mean, just in backing up toward, you know, we mentioned DHCP and, and there's some management functionality of like handing out address blocks via DHCP. I guess I'm curious, and maybe Ed or Scott, you've seen examples of this because I don't know off the top of my head. Do Are, are there sort of, you know, is there a sort of a centralized, you know, management scheme that you've seen for, for micro-segmentation applications in IPv6? Because I think of like containers and then the container space of having you know, of, of handing out slash 64s in this fashion. And is this something that's like far enough along, you know, operationally and administratively fully baked to give us like some of that functionality? Or is that something that we're still sort of waiting for? Hmm. I think I, it's baked in, you know, 4G, 5G mobile networks. Those are giving, you know, slash 64s to the individual phones. Mm -hmm. I mean, but who uses them as a phone? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. um, yeah, us, us old guys, we think, you know, one ringy-dingy, two ringy-dingy, <laughs> 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 Lily Tomlin. Um, but um, I think it's probably feasible in software-driven cloud environments or containerized environments where things get automated and that slash 64 is programmatically given to that device. I don't yeah. think this is far enough in the, you know, typical enterprise access, end user access networks where people have Macs or Windows <laughs> laptops. Yeah, I would agree. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I, and I'm thinking, I guess I'm thinking more of along the lines of like 
you know, Kubernetes and service mesh mm. and, and, you know, where this would be like incredibly yeah. valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So Calico has an implementation. I know that's, that, that is, is, is set up to be able to do IPv6 that way, but I don't know if they're actually doing something equivalent of like a DHCP v6 PD, um, which I'm not aware of. I mean, I hope maybe, hey, maybe someone in the audience who's working on Calico, let us know <laughs> if, if you've seen that. Um, but I do know that it can, it can assign out prefixes based off of, uh, you know, well-known lists. So you can provide it the, the information to be able to assign out, uh, for that set of resources. So it'll, it'll work on a routing plane with, with a service mesh to be able to, you know, basically assign out of a, di a digital 64, but I don't know if it actually micro segments out of the 64. I think it just assigns all the resources out of that 64 that's allocated to it. And then does a BGP advertisement to, to get it to be routed for, uh, for location information in order to get services out, uh, outbound. So I don't know if they've actually done anything with like a prefix delegation per, you know, application type that might exist in, in your container environment, as an example. Yeah. Um, but I, I could definitely see it going there. I mean, there's no reason that it could not um, uh, in, in terms of, you know, design, the design aspect. That's certainly certainly feasible to do. Um, I, I just don't, I can't recall seeing anyone who's done anything like that. Yeah, and I think maybe that fits into the, just the overall category of like there's, there's tremendous potential to leverage IPv6 to solve all, all sorts of administrative and operational challenges in that space. And, but it's, it's really, yeah, you know, the, the maturity of it, I think, is, is not, not quite there. And, but, yeah. but the reason I ask you know, to bring it up is just like we talk about micro-segmentation and, and, and the, if you're not working in the mobile space, then, you know, what is your opportunity to, to potentially, you know, what are the use cases for, for a micro-segmentation that you might actually be able to get your hands dirty with? And I think right. at this point, there really aren't that many um, outside of, you know, say the data center or um, so, you know, well, think, something. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think public cloud is, 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 is approaching that because if you look at how they're thinking about designing their infrastructure and they're assigning what, 52s, 56s uh, yeah. for, 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 you know, for VNets or for, uh, VPCs and and how you how you lay out those allocations. There's no reason that they can't you know innovate in that space to provide you the same sort of you know isolation capabilities, uh, which they inherently have built into the platform anyway. Uh, right? It's yeah. all you have to do all the work to actually permissively turn stuff on, as opposed to you know saying this stuff is on by default. So I think they're well positioned to be able to allow customers to be able to do that, and they've got more than enough address space to be able to. Uh, yeah. to sort of build that model in or bake that model in. I, I, I think par part of the problem is there's no real, I guess there's no real good, outside of the RFC that Scott mentioned, there's probably not a lot of good reference materials from a industry standard. This is consortium-wise that this is how we're going to, we're all going to agree to do this so that we don't have breakage across, um, you know, multiple applications or, or, or how we actually implement this. I think there's, there might be some operational issues that people want to work through there, but outside of that, it's perfectly feasible to do today. There's no reason you couldn't. Yeah. Anyway, that's 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 my quick quick take on it. I think public cloud is probably where you're going to start seeing some innovations happen in, in that particular space. Yeah, I think I agree. Um, that's something that we're, we're likely to see, and it is one of those sort of chicken and egg things where the ITF is concerned, where there's at least that one IETF, uh, one ITF RFC that that Scott mentioned. Um, because the oper operational use cases aren't sort of there yet, that there's yeah. not pressure on the ITF to come up with more. Um, right. But I guess, and then just to sort of pivot to security, and maybe this is a this is a question for Scott. I mean, it's it would seem to me, based on what micro segmentation 
is accomplishes and, and you know moving away from the sort of flat flattened ipv4 network that there there are opportunities for you know zero trust architecture integration but i, I see you know zta seems like early days in so many ways that, that i don't know that there's a whole lot to talk about operationally but at least conceptually at an architectural level it seems like there's some some potential benefit there yeah just isolate reduce the attack surface uh-huh. force things through a, a stateful filter for compliance and things like that the other thing uh i mean we re- always in most cases, we recommend using global addresses for this mm-hmm. this segment. You could also use ULA, right? <laughs> <laughs> On a V6 only network, yeah. yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, we've talked about the, the slippery slope of using ULA. You could also use link local only addresses mm-hmm. for this isolated segment in some way. Good point. Uh, Ed, yeah. you've written about you know edge computing. Yep. IoT environments that might use link local only. And so they're isolated in a way that no one else can communicate with them unless you're on link. Right. You know, because they're link local addresses. That's just the nature of they're not used for off-net communication. So no attacker from off-net can reach that isolated segment. So right. And most of the time they go through some sort of application proxy or gateway. So they that gateway is on the same link local as maybe a sensor network or something else that they're participating in. And then you have to you, then that gateway has a global unicast on the other side, but it allows you a single point of entry, ingress, egress to lock down, which sort of acts like a firewall anyway, right? Yeah. And there's, now I'm a Mr. RFC numbers today. RFC 7404 is an RFC that describes this, these ideas of using right. only link local addressing inside of an IPv6 network and describes some of these use cases for because they, they talk about that they talk about that for doing the routing backplane for like the backbone and stuff right where they're saying like hey use link local only because that basically protects you from from anyone using your global unicast to try and do any denial of service attacks against you they can't discover how your internal topology what your internal topology looks like because it's all link local hop by hop right mm-hmm. it's kind of like out out of band built into the in band protocol right <laughs> yeah a little bit yeah. i guess you could think of it that way yeah uh, it's 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 an interesting concept. I, I I think there's a couple other things that because I'm sort of curious if if micro segmentation is something that the multi cloud providers like uh, you know the Aviatrix and others could mm-hmm. could start leveraging in some in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I I I was thinking the same thing, and it uh, maybe a, a call out then to the to the multi cloud architecture folks that that there's an opportunity there. Of course, you have to get to supporting IPv6 first. Just, yeah, a mi- just a minor point. Just a, that's the <laughs> trick. Uh, oh, the other thing we should say is if you have these isolated segments, either within a node, within a server, within a containerized environment, you have to route to that. So yeah. you need, it, it's going to be isolated. So you need a way, a gateway, a bridge, uh, a routing a route advertisement to advertise that that slash 64 is connected to that node. So either dynamic routing or somehow statically route it and then redistribute static. Yeah. I, you, know, you have to figure that out. How do I get to that isolated segment? What is the the method? Probably DNS is a clue you know, that you're going to communicate to a destination, but then once you initiate that TCP session, then you need to be have that traffic routed uh, right. to get to that seg- that isolated segment. Yeah, and I think in modern networks, you, you would look at either leveraging a controller to, to sort of you know, manage that or 
you're going to use a dynamic routing protocol of some type. And that's that's why I was sort of curious on the multi-cloud side, because you're going to want those cloud services to be able to spin up and, and do what they require. You might have an overall summary route that gets gets it to the right location, but uh, across like a direct connect link or an express route link or something like that. But once it gets to the other side, you're still going to need some sort of dynamic routing to steer it to the right location uh, to make sure it actually lands on the right equipment. Um, yeah, and that device could be something in that hypervisor in that server you know that it could be a an slb an adc that's advertising that that prefix is somehow tucked in behind yep you know that server somewhere it could be you know a, a software-based agent a shim that runs at the hypervisor layer or or within the virtual machine or within that you know container service mesh mm-hmm. networking that mm-hmm makes that advertisement or or bridges that or facilitates that reachability? Yeah, or it could be just a, a small end agent if it's a client OS that you're isolating for that way for maybe an application that triggers uh, mm-hmm. to allow you to do that. So if you have like um, an 802.1x supplicant, but it can inform things upstream, like, like for VPN purposes, mm-hmm. uh, maybe something like AnyConnect where you could actually you know sign out a 64 downstream for the host for a particular application type that you want to isolate out and then and then require it to you know it doesn't necessarily have to run over a vpn but it could and uh <laughs> provide you that uh, capability to isolate it out i have to laugh because we've gotten around to the point of the discussion with micro segmentation that that's sort of implying that 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 will all work as long as there's some sort of agent we can run on the end device <laughs> or or as long as there's some sort of centralized controller that, or multiple centralized controllers that we can put into place. So. Well, I mean, I think that, I, th- I think most of the modern networking principles are sort of going that way anyway, though, right? So, <laughs> well, I mean, that, it's, and that's what makes right exactly. That's what makes me laugh about it. It's like we we can make this work as long as we have an agent and as long as we have a centralized controller. So. Oh, and middle boxes in the in the in the, <laughs> in the <laughs> NFV you know, uh, in the data center. We have lots of. Uh, little middle boxes. <laughs> oh, that's, that's right. Don't worry. Yeah, we're now, just th- this entire solution just requires that we have to rely on extension headers. So don't worry, everyone. It's just a <laughs> <laughs> and uh, segment routing and header. Segment routing. How, is, how are we making people's lives better here? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. It's it, don't worry because this technique just makes everything a giant flat layer two network, and it's it's all good. It's we solve all problems. It's just it's just VXLAN, but done it's with. VXLAN. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just all going to be VXLAN, guys. We're just that's... and and just bump up your MTU, just extra. <laughs> just, just you run jumbo, yes. run jumbo frames on the backbone of the internet. It's all good. So can you go bigger than nine thousand bytes <laughs> in your jumbo frames? We'll need the extra payload room because you have to you have to slap that sixty four as an additional extension header on top. So we need the extra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're getting we're getting off track here, guys. <laughs> which means jumbo grams, which means we're back to the destination option header. Destination option. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, it's I I, th- I think it's definitely a, a, a useful set of technologies to consider around V6. I, I definitely see it as an advantage over V4. I don't know how you guys feel about it in terms of like you know, it's definitely something that you could build in a very scalable fashion with V6 yeah. without as much. Um, uh, technical debt or penalty, I think, is yeah. maybe V4. Is that a yeah. reasonable? Yeah, I mean, just can't, you can't do it in V4, right? I mean, you just don't have the address space. I mean, mm. you, you know, even even yeah. in the private space, there's just there's not enough address space. Yeah, yeah. So it, V6 just removes that 
constraint of the address space and removes you having to pre-know how many nodes will be used or how many containers will be used mm-hmm. within that slash 64. Yeah, that's prefix. a great point. That's a great And point. out of a 48, you got 65,000 of these. So you yeah. just pop one off the stack, use the next one, pop one off the stack, use the next one. Yeah. Don't even, you know, burn through 65,000 slash 64. Don't even well, worry about reclaiming them because by the time you pop the stack and go around again, I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know. You, you just keep going. That's an important point because I mentioned earlier about, you know, if you have a 48 per site uh, slash 48 per site, and then, you know, you want to, you want to peel off, say a slash 52, that first nibble down to give yourself some slash 64s to use for this purpose. What you're suggesting is that, you know, a 48 per site may not actually get the job done if you're if you're looking at an architecture like this. So if I'm looking at a data center architecture where I want to plan on having micro segmentation as an architectural option, I would I would probably want uh, at least a slash 44 or even a slash 40, knowing that, you know, I'm going to take one of those slash 48s and commit it to micro segmentation um, in, in the way that you just described. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I I think that's a, a really good point because so many folks today and in design principle in V6 think that a 48 is the definition of a site. <laughs> and we, we just had a client that we convinced is a 48 for them is is not necessarily going to be a site. They're going to, you know, a 40 or maybe a 44 is making more sense, which if you take this same logic and apply it here, you may have 48s that you need to do just for the purpose of micro-segmentation, another one for overlays, another one for the actual infrastructure. And so you can start thinking about your network very, very differently in terms of not constraining it from an address allocation perspective. I think that's yeah. I think that's super useful for, for folks as a takeaway. Don't think a 48 is the, is the maximum size you need to do for site, everyone. <laughs> it's a good starting point, right? It's a good rule of thumb. Um, yeah, which is probably a horrible analogy to use if you know where the rule of thumb comes from. But whatever, <laughs> yeah, leave that alone. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, great point. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else we wanted to add around the micro segmentation sort of sort of discussion? Is do I mean do we think this is going to be where the industry is going to go in terms of thought process, especially with you know with zero trust? Do we think this is going to yeah. be more popular over time? Yeah. I mean, you, you've talked about this before, Ed, when, when you've got lots of slash 128s and let's say you had a hundred thousand containers coming and going, coming and appearing, and then they each have a slash 128 and they're advertising that slash 128 into your core routing tables. You know, you have a TCAM, you could run into a TCAM shortage (laughs) because of them being longer Mm -hmm. with 64 bits. You know, you have that problem. You could still have lots and lots of slash 64s using 64 bits of TCAM space, each being advertised. So you kind of have to think ahead. How many of these networks am I going to have? And Tom, you talk about this with IPv6 addressing. It's not counting the number of hosts. It's counting the number of networks. So think how many networks might you have? Yeah, Yeah, that's right. And, and whether, you know, where the TCAM consideration comes in, whether it's north, north-south north traffic, where maybe that's not as impactful or, or, or rather more impactful, or whether it's east-west traffic, you know, making those sort of assessments. Again, it's early days because there aren't use cases you can really point to to say this is the sort of, this is what you'll expect to see. Um, but it is something to keep in mind. Yeah. Or you could summarize at some point in your architecture where all those kind of roll up. Yeah. And right, contain it within that environment. Yeah. 
That's a great great point. Like you don't necessarily need to splat all your most specifics from your OSPF into your backbone via BGP and like redistribute all that stuff. Like summarize it in a nice clean boundary someplace. At the edge of the data center, yeah. at the edge of the cloud. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Perfect. I don't know. I, I, that's that's our quick thoughts on micro segmentation, everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, 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 don't, I, I would love to hear if other folks have had experience around doing this, especially, you know, V4 to V6 experience. Like, you know, maybe they were doing it this today in V4 and, and chose to do something in V6 and how they're actually implementing it. So if you have feedback, you can always do the packetpushers.net slash FU <laughs> for, 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 for the feedback side. And we'd love to, you know, for follow-up, I guess it's technically follow up. Yeah. <laughs> Not F you for, yeah, whatever. But <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear if uh, folks have anything, uh, anything to share with us about that. Cause I'd, I'd really be interested to hear if anyone's got some implementations that are working that way. Be really cool. Yeah. And I think people, you could have some really creative ideas about what could be done here. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, Hey, Unlike V6, we run out of space for this podcast. Uh, you can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter. We're at IPv6 Buzz. And you can also hit up each one of us on Twitter. Uh, Tom is at IPv6 Tom. Scott is at Scott Hogue. And I'm at E. Horley. Thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like this show, please give us a rating on iTunes. And if you like this podcast, we recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break podcast and all the other great technical content over at packetpushers.net. So long and until next time, we'll see you on the internet. The IPv6 internet, that is. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6.